jangle with the old saying that a mule dressed in a tuxedo is still a mule. Doesn't matter how fancy your clothes are if you don't have a right relationship with the Lord Jesus. Hello and welcome to Verse by Verse. Our teacher, Pastor Steve Kreloff, is guiding us one verse at a time through a passage in 1 Timothy chapter 2 that deals with women in church ministry. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. It is hugely popular these days to try to attract attention to ourselves. But it's not godly, unless maybe you're the bride on your wedding day. Our text, as I've mentioned, is 1 Timothy 2, but let's take a quick look ahead at chapter 3. Here's Pastor Steve with more about the balance between too glamorous and too plain. When you look in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2, Paul is giving the qualifications for an elder. I don't believe after studying this that Paul is laying down the qualifications for men who will be chosen as elders, although I think that's how we have to use it. But Paul is laying down the, the standards by which men, the men in this church uh, who were leaders, should have been living up to. The problem was not in getting new leaders. The problem was with the ones that they already had. And he says this, the overarching requirement for an elder in verse 2 is that he must be above reproach. And then I believe Paul gives categories of his life that must be above reproach. And the first thing he says, and I think that it's interesting, it follows upon chapter 2. Apparently this was a grave problem in this church. The husband of one wife. Now I know that there are many who hold to this, and we'll go into it more when we get to chapter 3. Many who hold, this is talking about divorce or, or polygamy in that uh, day and age. Uh, my own conviction, and I am convinced, and I, when we go over this, I'll explain it to you why, I'm convi- why I am convinced of this. But uh, I believe with all my heart, Paul is saying that this man who is an elder must be faithful to his wife, and he must be committed to her. Literally, it means a one-woman man. I don't believe it's speaking about divorce. What he's saying here is that make sure that a leader is committed to his wife. Make sure that he is madly in love with her and that he thinks about only her in his heart and in his mind and he is preoccupied with thoughts about her and not about the loose women who are coming into the assembly. And apparently Paul has to address this issue because there were leaders there who perhaps were not only not thinking about their wives but being drawn and attracted to the women of the church. Not only that, but chapter 5 Or I might add, by the way, verse 12, he has to deal with this about deacons as well. Let deacons be husbands of only one wife. And so apparently the leadership was being bombarded with women who who were uh, trying to seduce them and perhaps were, in some cases, succeeding. Chapter 5. Verse 6, we went over this. He says that there are some who, who give themselves to wanton pleasure. Some in the church doing that. We looked at verse 14, that they, gave, that they are to give the enemy no occasion for reproach, which is exactly what happens when a Christian leader runs off with somebody uh, other than his wife in the church. It, it simply, you know, it's written up in papers. It's a scandal. It's the worst thing that could happen to the church. But this was happening. Verse 15, for some have already turned aside to follow Satan. And in Titus, it was a different church. Church at Crete, but apparently the same thing was going on. And so in chapter 2, Paul has to address this issue in verses 3 through 5. He says, older women or mature women likewise ought to be, are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, not enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good, that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands. Now, why would he say that unless there was a problem in that area? 
Why would he have to say that the young women are to love their husbands and love their children, to be sensible, to be pure, to be workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be dishonored? Apparently, that same type of thing was going on in Crete. And so Paul has to address that issue, and that's what he's addressing here. And this is a great problem in the church today. I can't tell you how many leaders I hear who have been unfaithful to their wives or the wives who have been unfaithful to the leaders. And and it is just a scandal. It is the worst thing that could possibly hit a church. And it happens. And it happens. And women, there are women who come into a church service and come into the church looking for men and are attracted especially to those who are in leadership. And they have turned aside to Satan. And this is what happens in many, many instances But that is unacceptable for the church, certainly, and it is unacceptable for a worship service. The purpose of worship is not to direct our attention to people. It's not to have a fashion show. It's not to come in and see who has the latest designs in clothing. It's not to come in and see who you can attract to look over your way. The purpose of a worship service is to focus on Christ, period. That is it. The service is not to be um, an area where we come in and see who has the most expensive clothing. It is not a fashion show. It is not to see who's the most glamorous woman in the church. Now, I want to just apply this, too, because I think it's important to realize that this same truth applies to women who think that the more plain and simple and old-fashioned they look, the more spiritual they appear. And that has to be addressed, because there are some women who think, well, this is speaking against fashion. It is not. Paul is not speaking against fashion. He does not have anything against women looking good. And I think there are some people who think that uh, some women who think that the more drab they can look, the more spiritual it is. That is not what he's saying at all. In fact, it is wrong to look drab if it draws attention to yourself. See, the same principle applies. You can get overdressed and draw attention to yourself and you can get uh, or be underdressed and draw attention to yourself. The point is, don't draw attention to yourself. He's not saying try to see how plain you could look. And be outdated. I mean, that's just as bad. No, women are to look good. They are to to express the beauty that God gave them, but not in the sense that would draw attention to, to themselves and certainly that would be seductive to a man. You see, the issue is the heart. You know, we, we can't come up with a list of do's and don'ts, what's acceptable and what's not. I, I heard recently about a, a pastor who did that. A woman walked into the church and said, where are you going? And she said, well, I'm coming to church. She said, not dressed like that. You're not. You go out. And she went out. She came back. And I guess he stopped in the middle of preaching and said, you look good. You just stay. You know, well, we're not going to do that. We're not going to have a set of rules of do's and don'ts. You can imagine, by the way, that poor woman. I don't know if she ever came back. But um, we're not going to set up. We can't set up a legalistic set of, of rules. That's not the point. The point is that you check your heart out. When your heart is right, you're going to wear the right kind of clothing. But uh, there's more to this. Not only did the women overdress to gain the attention of men, but apparently they overdressed to flaunt their wealth and to impress others. And that's all part of it. One contemporary of Paul wrote this. I have seen Lolia Paulina covered with emeralds and pearls uh, gleaming all over her head, her hair, ears, neck and fingers to the value. And of course, the translators had to put this in because they didn't deal with dollars, but to the value of over one million dollars. Wealthy women who could afford garments, I figured it out, they they paid for one 
uh, special garment, they would pay a wage for the common man that would, that, he would, that would take 21 years for him to make. It would be 7,000 denarii, and one denarii was a day's pay. Slaves and poor women, on the other hand, would, would have a dress, and this is probably the only nice one she could buy, which would be 500 to 800 denarii rather than 7,000 denarii. And so from this, we can gather that women were coming in looking as gorgeous as they could look, not only seductive, but they were coming as a fashion show, and they were seeing who could top one another. The wealthy women were doing this all the time. So you have women intimidating others socially, and women threatening other women by looking sensually attractive to their husbands. And, and you could imagine the men of this church. They come to worship, and there they look at this woman who's dressed seductively and dressed, dressed in a garment that their wives could never afford. They take one look at their wife, one look at these women, and you could imagine what was going on in their minds. And it would, it would lead, if it wasn't checked, it would lead to being very dissatisfied with their own wives. And apparently this was happening, and they were getting interested in the other women. And so Paul's point is that this kind of dressing up for church is inappropriate. It's just not appropriate for a worship service. God is an honored. Men are sexually aroused. Other women are threatened and intimidated. And the testimony of the church to an unsaved world is destroyed because the church would be no different than the world. And apparently that is what has happened in many areas. The world just looks at the church and says, we're no different. They fool around too. They're just hypocritical. At least we're not hypocritical. Now, I feel that a word is in order to single women who wants to attract single men to them. How does this apply to them? Listen, there is nothing wrong with wanting to get a man interested in you as long as he's not someone else's husband. Okay? But the worship service isn't the place for it. That's what we want to say. The worship service isn't the place. For that kind of thing. And you ought to attract him by your character and not by your outward glamour. That's not to say you shouldn't dress nicely. That's not to say that you shouldn't be attractive looking, but certainly not immodest and seductive. Besides, if the attraction of a man is only based on your outward appearance, then that's not the kind of Christian man you want to attract anyway. If he's only interested in you because of what you look like, And because of the clothes that appeal to him, then that's not the kind of a Christian gentleman that you want to attract anyway. And so we don't want the the single women to think that they have to come not looking good at all. I mean, you ought to meet people in the church. That's a great place to, to meet men. And I might just add that men take notice. There are some men who, uh, women of the single women have gone out of their way to look good and to, to try to reflect godliness, and somehow the single men may be blind. There is a time to get married, and I'll say only that, okay? And I mean that. I think that sometimes the, uh, the, the men uh, need to, I guess I'm not only going to say that, I'll add to it. I think sometimes the, we frustrate, the men can frustrate the women because they're not going to ask you to marry them. And so there is a time to get moving. A word to the wise is sufficient. And that, by the way, is not directed at any one person, lest you think I'm doing that. You see, a Christian woman's real attractiveness isn't by her clothing at all, but by her good works. Look at verse 10. But rather by means of good works as befits women making a claim to godliness. In other words, a godly woman's true beauty is reflected 
in her behavior, not her clothing. She ought to adorn herself with godly works. That's the real source of her beauty. It's not what she wears on the outside, but that her good works are reflective of what's inside her, her character. Would you look now at 1 Peter chapter 3? It's time to look at that, and I think it's very important. 1 Peter chapter 3, Peter is, is dealing with women who are married to unsaved husbands, godly women married to unsaved husbands, and he's dealing uh, with them on how to handle the suffering that would go along with perhaps an abusive type husband and certainly an insensitive unsaved husband. And he says uh, basically that the husband can be one without a word, that is, don't preach to him, but by godliness, by your behavior, verse 1 he says, uh, verse 2, by your chaste and respectful behavior. And then verse 3 he says, and let not your adornment be external only, braiding the hair and wearing gold jewelry and putting on dresses. But he says, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. Now, Peter isn't saying that women shouldn't look good and dress well. He is addressing the issue of priority, priority and the cult, which we have today, the cult of beauty and fashion. That is a cult, by the way. It's worship today. All you have to do is watch just a half hour of television and know that this society, as well as, as Peter and Paul's society, worshipped beauty, worshipped fashion. We honor that. And we, they did it back in that day. A godly woman ought to be clothed with a beauty that comes from inner character. Now, verse 4, by the way, is not saying, and I, and I always try to go over this because someone thinks that if they're outgoing, some women will think that if they're outgoing, you can't be them. Because it says in verse 4, the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit. That does not mean that you have to be silent all the time. A gentle and a quiet spirit is not necessarily a gentle and a quiet voice. Notice that. That's just Bible study. The, the term gentle and a quiet spirit means that she's not restless, that she's not uh, one who is, is irritated and agitated and, and restless and pacing back and forth. No, it means she's at rest in the Lord. A gentle and a quiet spirit means that she's trustful of God. She's resting in him. It doesn't mean that if you like to talk, ladies, that you can't. That's not what it means at all. So Peter is speaking about the priority of a woman. And, and I might add, just by way of, of putting it in our term, what he's saying is, ladies, don't spend three hours in front of the mirror and a half hour in Bible study. That's, that's really, in essence, what he's saying. Make sure your priority is the, is the inner person. Because when your priority is the inner person, you don't need to spend three hours looking at yourself in the mirror. You don't need to try to attract your, your husband by looking good on the outside, he says in this context, you need to make sure your, attract, your attractiveness to your husband is, is internal. Let him see that your life is different, not that you have the false glamour of the world. And by the way, he adds in verse 5, this has always been the pattern of godly women. This isn't anything new, and it's not changed today. This is not a cultural mandate. This is uh, something that is eternal, an eternal principle. Maybe the forms have changed in the sense of the braiding of the hair and, and all of that, but the principle is the same. For in this way, he says in verse 5, in former times the old, holy women also who hoped in God used to adorn themselves being submissive to their own husbands. And then he goes on to say this is the way Sarah was to Abraham. So even back in, in Sarah and Abraham's day, this was the way godly women handled it. They practiced their adornments on the inside, and it came out on the outside behavior. True beauty on the inside is the priority. 
And what she wears on the outside is to reflect this godliness with modesty and discretion. How does a Christian woman dress for church? How does she do? Well, as I said, we're, we're not going to come up with a set of do's and don'ts. You can't do that. And there's sometimes a fine line. There isn't a list of what's acceptable and what's, what's not acceptable. But what she has to do is to check her heart and to check her motives when she comes to church. When your inner man, or I should say, I guess, inner woman, is right, then your outward appearance will be right as well. You see, it's a matter, matter of the heart, not a matter of, of, of necessarily what you put on the outside. It's what you have on the inside that will be reflected on the outside. The issue is this, ladies, cultivate godliness. Cultivate purity of heart and mind and your appearance will reflect it and there will be no problem with appearance. And I might add, in our church, we do not have a problem like this. And this, as I said before in my prayer, this is not by way of an indictment against you. This is by way of caution. Our women in this church are so godly and, and so uh, reflective of Christ that it's a privilege just to pastor here. But we need to always be warned and reminded of these things that, that our appearance might reflect godliness. So what is Paul saying? Paul is saying this, just as men are to come to the worship service with pure hearts, ready to lead in prayer, so women are to come to the worship service with pure hearts and properly adorned. And that adornment is to reflect the purity of heart. Modesty, self-control, self-restraint, this type of clothing that doesn't draw attention to yourself. John Chrysostom, who was a church father, said this about these two verses in Timothy, and I think it's very interesting. I think he had a handle on this, and here's what he said hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And I quote, And what then is modest apparel, such as covers them completely and decently, and not with superfluous ornaments? For the one is decent and the other is not. What? Do you approach God to pray with broidered hair and ornaments of gold? Are you come to a ball? To a marriage feast? To a carnival? There such costly things might have been seasonable. Here not one of them is wanted. You are come to pray, to ask pardon for your sins, to plead for your uh, offenses, beseeching the Lord and hoping to render him propitious to you. Away with such hypocrisy. That's really the thought here. There are certain clothing that would be appropriate for other places, but not for the worship service. The worship service is a special place. When we come on Sunday, it is, it is a precious time. It is not a time to see who has the most costly garments. Quite frankly, ladies, let me just say that most men couldn't tell the difference anyway as far as cost. Okay, I, mean, I just want to tell you that. Uh, most men could not tell the difference between something that costs $1,000 and something that costs $100. But we need to keep in mind that there is certain clothing that is just inappropriate for the church. Maybe appropriate for other places, but not for the church. And certainly for a Christian woman, it is never appropriate to dress seductively and immodestly. So the appearance of women in worship should be such that never ever draws attention to herself, whether she is overdressed or underdressed, never to draw attention to, their, to herself, because the purpose of worship is to focus on God. Anything else is just inappropriate. Let's bow for prayer. This is very important for us to understand as we deal with the whole area of, of women. Very important for us to gain a handle on this. And I guess the important thing to really 
get in our minds is that God wants godly women. Our world is filled with immodest, ungodly women. Women who don't even want to be women anymore. They don't dress like women. They, there are some, in some circles, it seems like the in thing is to, is to try to look as peculiar, as strange as you possibly could, as far away from being a woman as possible. God wants women who are godly. We tend to focus so much on men because men are in leadership. And as the leadership goes, so the church goes. But I, I feel it's so appropriate here to say that, that godly women are necessary. Women who cultivate purity of mind, who are not interested in anybody else but their husbands, and are careful that they don't reflect that in their outward behavior. Women who are not totally consumed with, with fashions. Not wrong to be fashionable, but it's wrong to be consumed with that, to try to have the latest fad that comes out and, and uh, feel like you have to run out and, and always get new clothing and always spend your money on that. And that's the cult of of our day, beauty and fashions and glamour. And that's really so cheap. What's precious, God says, is the inside, quiet and a meek spirit. In God's sight, he says it's precious. It may not be precious to the world, but I'd rather be precious to God than be precious to the opinions of, of men anyway. So ladies, this is for you. Women in worship have the right appearance because they have the right demeanor the right character, the right inner character. I hope you'll take this to heart and that it'll be reflective not only in what you wear, but when you come to, to church to sing to the glory of God, to worship Him, to, to give to the glory of God. And I think all of us need to take worship a little bit more seriously than we do to focus on Him who above all things demands our attention. Our Father, we're grateful that the Word of God addresses such issues as this, so practical, so needed in our day. Lord, I thank You. I thank You publicly for the women of Lakeside, pure, godly, committed to their husbands. May that grow even deeper, Lord. And may the truth that we and the truths we've studied build into our women even a deeper conviction. Father, we never want a fiasco here like at Ephesus. Just grateful for women like these. Lord, we pray that this will continue. We pray that you'll keep us on track. And we pray that you'll have our women grow even, even more godly, more committed to you, more pure in their attitudes and heart and motives, that the word of God may not be dishonored. Protect us from any scandal ever, Lord, that Christ might be exalted and continue to be exalted in this church. For we pray this. In His most precious name, knowing that we're praying with absolute confidence that this is His will. Amen. Amen. It's all about Jesus. Lord, help us focus on allowing you to recreate your own character in us. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, a Bible class of the air led by Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you're in the area, Pastor Steve would love to meet you some Sunday. Lakeside is located at 1893 Sunset Point Road. Find out more about Lakeside at lakesidechapel.com. Of course, we have our own verse-by-verse website where you can download or stream any of our previous broadcasts. The address is versebyverseradio.org. 
Since we are listener-supported, and grateful, by the way, to our supporters, you'll find a link there explaining our philosophy of giving, along with information that will make it easy for you to help support Verse by Verse, if that's what the Lord is leading you to do. I'm your announcer, Jerry Peterson. Join us next time on Verse by Verse as Pastor Steve Kreloff starts to get down to the real nitty-gritty on this issue of women in worship. If the Bible says women are not to have spiritual leadership over men, does that mean they are less important? And how specifically does the Bible say that women should evidence their godliness in worship services? We'll talk about that next time on Verse by Verse. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's versebyverseradio.org. We're talking about the Day of Atonement in Leviticus 16 today, and, and we're examining what access to God means and how God's grace has afforded us direct access to God today. And that started my mind thinking, you know, there's there's all these vaccine sites beginning to pop up in and around the Tampa area here, and, and because of the finite resources, you have to qualify for access to a vaccine.